Hello, creators. Save the date for our 2024 Creator Circle Retreat happening September 23rd through 26th in Vancouver, Washington, United States. Registration is open and the early bird deadline is March 15th. The 2024 Creator Circle Retreat will be four days of restoration and rejuvenation for yourself and your business. And you can find all of the details at wellnesscentercreators.com slash retreats, where you can also click to apply. As always, feel free to email with questions anytime at kendall at wellnesscentercreators.com. And lastly, it's important to note that the retreat is limited to 20 people and everyone from last year is getting ready to register again. So jump on it. As health and wellness providers, we know that better patient outcomes require a whole person, multidisciplinary approach that we just can't provide on our own. That's why I've started the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. I'll be bringing you interviews with experts, tips, tricks, secrets, resources, systems, and solutions so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And creating your wellness center won't feel like starting over. Before we jump into today's episode, let's give a shout out to our sponsor, Jane, a clinic management software and EMR. Whether you're just starting to do your research or you've been contemplating switching your software for a while now, the Jane team understands that the process can feel intimidating. That's why their goal is to provide you with all the onboarding resources you need to make the switch as smooth as possible. Jane offers a personalized call to set up your account, a free date import, and a variety of online resources to get you up and running quickly. And if you need a helping hand along the way, you'll have access to unlimited phone, email, and chat support included in your Jane subscription. If you're interested in learning more, book a one-on-one demo at jane.app slash switch. And if you decide to make the switch, don't forget to use the code wellness1mo at sign up to receive a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Welcome back, everyone, to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. Let's jump right back into part two of my conversation with Josh Satterley. The next kind of uh, part of the, the framework we talk about is the T, which is tailoring the communication methods and styles. And uh, this, I think, would be a great place to talk about your trauma-informed approach. Um, what What it says in the research is, basically is find out, and this is incredibly hard to do. I want to, I want to stress that this is incredibly hard to do. And it could be a lifetime pursuit for any, anybody listening, but how does your person, your patient in front of you interpret information? How do they process it? And then how can you like find the, the, the bright spots and expand them? So for example, imagine you're a native English speaker and you have a patient who's a native Spanish speaker right? Tailoring communication to them. If you're like, well, I can't speak Spanish. In the research that I've looked at, it says, great, nobody, there's no requirement to, but could a chiropractor use a spine model 
or a joint model to get the idea across because that doesn't need to be translated, right? Could you use um, an anatomy textbook? Could you create a very short three-slide PowerPoint presentation explaining the process or what you're doing to tailor it? Uh, So those are common ways. But one thing I'd love your input on is one of the areas that is oftentimes very sticky is if a family member brings in somebody, right? And then it's like, who do you address? So imagine if you take your mother or grandmother to a visit, right? Who do you address? Um, And the same with children and the, uh, you know, shaping things with that, especially when there seems to be high resistance to healthcare, which is, can be a common problem depending on the provider, right? Yeah. So, and then there's a whole, like, are they kinesthetic, visual, auditory learner? Good luck, you know, like you're, uh, you know. And then you could yeah. run a disc profile on them and all these different things. But <laughs> disc profile. Um, I mean, it yeah, all, I you mean, know, it all matters. It it all matters. And I was just laughing because our team is pretty big into the disc profiles uh, with nice. for each other. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's so much there. I think for us with our team in our clinic in Little Vancouver, Washington, right? It's like we we just do personalized healthcare. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's a case by case basis. And so that's why I'm so curious about you, like creating a technology around this Mm -hmm. to create more efficiency. Right. Mm -hmm. So we, we do everything on a case by case basis. And oftentimes, right. It takes more time and more energy and, but it's how we work and it's how we provide that personalized experience. So, you know, if we, um, if we like the example you gave, if we have someone bring someone into an appointment, um, it's, it depends on that situation, right? Most of the time, I mean, priority for us is we address the patient and I, I bring my own kids here to see our doctors on our team and, you know, from day one, just always impressed with them of addressing my, you know, whatever three-year-old at the time (laughs) as the patient, you know, and asking them about what's going on. And um, it really matters, especially to little kids, especially to little girls when they're like sharing about their body and what's going on for them. It's just Mm -hmm. like, as a mom to witness that is really, really important and that they have agency over their bodies. And, um, so, but by the way, for those listeners, what you just said, like, you know, we all, I'm, I'm sure you have been involved in the marketing of your clinic and whatnot, but the, when you have that level of trust, when it comes to referring or when somebody asks you about like, Oh, who do you see? That level of trust is worth $10,000 of ads targeting that person to go somewhere else. You can't, that is like an impenetrable wall that nobody could ever out advertise for. If you believe that provider has that trust, like you said, providing agency and, and safety is so huge. Yeah. 100%. So, um, you know, kind of, we have that general role, of course, we always address the patient, but if it's a situation where someone, the child, a teenager does not want to be there, right? Most of the time, even from the start, like we, we are treating people who are choosing to come 
and yeah. he, and work with us. So, right. you know, we that's part of being trauma informed as well. If if a parent is bringing in a teenager and forcing them to get care, we sure as hell are not putting acupuncture needles in that teenager. And Interesting. So that's a great great example. Yeah, are consenting to receive treatment and understand why they're receiving treatment. Yeah. Um, so that piece is super important to us and, um, it shows up in lots of ways, right? Like we do have, um, Spanish speaking therapists on our team. And so we have Mm -hmm. intake forms in Spanish, you know, it's things like things like that, just make it more accessible and, um, tailored to, you know, how that person communicates and, you know, um, we have a lot of stuff that we do online and online booking and things, but there are patients who do much better over the phone and there are patients who need paper mail sent to them. There are patients who, you know, are, aren't able to use that process. And that, so yeah. we accommodate that process. And That's one thing in our, in our software is you see the rise of like direct messaging on Instagram, right? Yeah. So many, um, offices are like, um, advertising or posting on Instagram. And then if somebody direct messages them, it's unattended, essentially, you know, it's like, oh, blah, 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 or email us at this thing. Well, as soon as you ask that patient, hey, get off the platform that you trust, aka Instagram and switch to email, you're adding friction and you're breaking that, you're eroding that trusted relationship. So having the ability to respond via Instagram in an easy way, the downside to that that we found is, um, it's hard for the person at your front desk to respond through the Instagram account of the business. Yeah. It wouldn't be hard if it was just their phone, right? But you're adding this layer in. So bringing those two together was kind of a, that's an area where I feel like we can provide a really good experience with our software because if they hit us up through Instagram, respond through Instagram. And then, you know, at some point you're like, okay, well, here's an online booking link. It doesn't matter if that went through text or D. Uh, DMs or Facebook message or web chat doesn't matter. But what I don't like, and I hate it myself as a customer is like, you get a text and you're like, Oh, cool. Yeah. I'll I'll come down. And as soon as you hit reply, you get this message back. Like, Oh, this is unmonitored. Please contact our office at this email address or this phone number. I'm like, I'm not going to do it. And now I I don't want to work with you, even though I was really into it, you know? So I always laugh and I tell companies, like, if, if you think one-way messaging works, try it at home for a week and just let me know how it goes <laughs> with your partner. You know, like, no response here, Kendall. I'm, you know, I'm going to tell you how it's going to go. It's like, that just doesn't work, you know. Um, so the last two. So we have, like I said, it's patch, P-A-T-C-H. So we're on C. This is communication basics. And it it was so silly when we were putting this together, like, come on, we don't need, we're talking to licensed professionals here. We don't need to do this, but here's a fact that stuck out. If I go into a visit, if you're, let's say that you are my patient and this is the first time we're meeting. If I go into the room and I say, and I'm holding your chart or I know who you are and I say, Oh, are you Kendall? Right. I'm in the top 19% of providers. If I just use the patient name, if I then instead say, Oh, hi, Kendall. I'm Dr. Josh, or I'm Dr. Satterley, or I'm Josh Satterley, whatever I, I introduce myself. I'm now in the top 8% of all medical professionals. And all I had to do was use your name and use my name. Like, this isn't 
crazy. This isn't heroic, right? This is like yeah. basics. Um, what do you know from your background in mental health? Like, how are you taught to use these communication basics to build that early relationship? Because I would guess that, I mean, I'm just guessing, I don't know anything about your practice, but I'm going to guess there are a lot of people that show up and they're, they're cagey that first visit. They don't want to share anything, at least for the first half hour or whatever. And how do you get it out of them? How do you use those communication tools to get it? to start a conversation because without a conversation you're sunk right like yeah yeah i mean this starts of course as you know this is why you build this platform it starts at the first interaction with the the company or the or the provider but it really starts when they they walk in and interact with our front desk Mm -hmm. because our front desk is trained and just innately it's her personality as well um but to she's building relationships and she mm-hmm. actually enjoys building relationships with patients when they come in. And when people come in for the first time, they are suffering and doesn't matter what they're here for, but they're typically suffering. And so to, to share your name and ask theirs and, you know, ask how their day's going so far and, and, tell them a bit about yourself, you know, um, to have the front desk do that instead of just signing you, checking you in 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 like a very clinical kind of way. Um, The trust starts there. And so by the time I come out as a provider to get the patient, now they're out on the couch. Um, we have a sectional couch in our lobby. <laughs> so they're, they're on the couch. Um, and, you know, hey, are you, are you Josh? Uh, yep, come on back. I'm ready for you. I'm Kendall. And something we always do is orient people to our space. And oh, this is, so this huge. is one of the top oh trauma formed practices. So, mm-hmm. and this starts with, the front desk does this and the provider does this. So the front desk mm-hmm. orients them to the lobby where they can get water and tea. Where's the restroom if they need it, make sure mm-hmm. they have everything they need. The provider goes to get them. And we give, um, depending on the situation, if someone's in a very acute state, I wouldn't necessarily do this on the first time they come for mental health. Uh, for most of the other uh, modalities, we do this on the first time. The provider mm-hmm. walks them through our entire clinic and wow. gives them a tour. And um, this is also, it's a trust building and orientation and trauma-informed tool. It also, yeah. the side effect of that is it's also a marketing tool because they see all the other modalities that right. we have. Right. Um, but providers, I if from my office, I can hear, you know, it's right by the hallway. And so I can hear providers doing this all day, every day where they are orienting people to space. And it just makes me so happy. And they, you know, but, but the main purpose is that the patient feels comfortable in the space and that they know where the exits are. This is the trauma informed piece. They know how they can get out if they need to. They know where the bathroom is. They know where all the other doors are. Right. Mm -hmm. So they know what to expect. Um, and mm-hmm. then it's going into the treatment room, orienting to the treatment room, right? So yeah. those pieces are vitally important. And by the time the, the client gets into the therapy office, 
they can have a little bit of a sigh of relief and, um, and, you know, and there's lots of different ways I, to start in yeah. with clients, but that, those I think you're bringing up a fantastic point. And I think people listening maybe could do a quick audit of like, what are the first 10 minutes of your visit like? Uh, and I want to bring up a couple points here. I think one of the d- most difficult parts, and, and I, again, this is as a chiropractor, I always say like, we have to ask the highest trust questions in the lowest trust environment that we have. I have to ask you red flag questions like Kendall, you know, like in my world, I ask, you know, so sorry, you're suffering from back pain. I got to ask some tough questions. Do you ever have any incontinence? Do you ever lose the ability to control your bladder from the back pain? Right. Do you ever have uh, numbness, you know, uh, around your, your bikini line or anything like that? I'm asking right. some really high value questions and I need to know them in the first five minutes because it's going to dictate what my next step is. Right. Do you need an MRI? Do we need this? Do I need to test for this? Exactly. But think about it like, you you know, when we're dating on our first date with a person, we don't go, okay, so let me, a couple things I just want to cover here. Um, how many times you declare bankruptcy and uh, what illicit drugs are you addicted to, if any? Like, you might ask those over six months, but you're not going to ask them on day, like the first five minutes of that first date. They feel socially inappropriate. And we're trained up in, in, you know, medical situations to ask them early. So it, but that's after years and years and years of training, right? But how does it feel to that person across from you when you ask those high trust questions? And the problem is if they give you a false negative, if they say, no, 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 I don't, I don't have that. When in fact they do, as you know, those are the things, those false negatives are unfortunately what lead to really bad outcomes and possibly death, right? Hey, I never have that incontinence. And then that person never admits to that. And then their disc material becomes unstable and they lose the ability to walk. Right. Or I had a friend who, um, unfortunately denied weight loss and he had blood in his stool and when he had low back pain and he denied that to his provider, turns out he, and he got diagnosed with like mechanical low back pain when in fact he had colon cancer that had metastasized. Yeah. Why did he deny it? Right. Yeah. It's not because he doesn't think it's important. It's not be, it's because the amount of trust it takes to admit that to somebody you just met two minutes ago is monumental. Right. Yeah. And it's for all the experiences they've had in the, yeah. in our medical system over right. the years. And we've all, we all do that. And, yeah. you know, so the, it's interesting because the different modalities have, there's so many similarities on how we build trust, but then there's also it's vastly different. Like if you're doing, if you're doing treatment that is like you're treating an injury and you're going to need to touch that person's body the first time mm-hmm. you meet them, right? That is very different than sitting across the room in a therapy office and me as the provider being able to say like, look, you don't have to tell me anything today. Like we can, we can just take our time, right? We're going to ease into it and we're going to get to know each other a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but those principles can be used in other modalities, right? And it's Mm -hmm. about giving, asking permission, right? Asking to your, yeah, to your point, you know, I've learned over the years, like in, 
whenever I do an exam and we don't ever start treatment without an exam on somebody, but we start with the visual components. Like Kendall, can I just watch you move your head? I'm not going to put my hands on them. I'm not going to palpate you because in chiropractic, like there's times where I have people laying face down. They can't see anything in the room and I'm going to put my hands in an area. You don't know where I'm going to put my hands. And it's like, that only works when I've built up to that step. So I always start, you know, we start verbally asking questions and his, you know, history questions. And then we move to a visual exam. Can I have you move this and that? And even within that, I start with the ones that are less threatening. Just like, can you stand there and move your head? That people aren't threatened by that. But I'm a tall guy. I'm a big guy. If I ask you to squat down, you know, Kendall, you, you've met me in person. So that the yeah, size difference is, yeah, tall. yeah. If yeah. I ask you to squat down and I'm three feet in front of you, that feels intimidating and possibly unsafe, right? Yeah. So in those cases, I move so that there's the table between me and the patient. I'm just like, I'm going to get a better view over here. But, but I've learned, don't start with that squat, you know, make that the last visual step you do. Totally. And then say, all right, I want to go further and uh, examine some of the areas I see restriction. In. Can I put my hands on you? Right. Can I put my hands on your shoulder? Can I push on your back? Um, and then starting sitting up, then going to lying face up, and then going to my final test of face down. Seems to be the best flow if you can do it. Now, I don't want everybody to think like, of course, there's sometimes where that flow just doesn't work with patients, right? But like you said, just asking permission honors the fact that they matter. And it's- yeah. And just being clear, like, honestly, one of the biggest things for trauma-informed is just no surprises, Mm -hmm. right? So That's the other thing I want to talk about, going to what you said about, like, that first 10 minutes in your office, you know, moving into that H of our our five things, the humility. And humility is sometimes tough because we're, we're hired to be, our customers want us to be the smartest person in the room. They want us to have the solutions, right? But the human beings that we're sitting next to may not want to feel like that the entire time they're working with us, right? They want to feel like we're at some levels equals because inherently human beings like that, right? Um, And so going back to that first 10 minutes, I always encourage people, audit how people get to their two feet in your office. What happens before then? before they're two feet standing in your office for the first time? And is there any way to make that situation easier, better, smoother, and more reassuring? Like you said, like your guys are, your team is doing that walk through the facility, which is great, right? One common thing, um, I don't know what parking is like in your area, right? Well, we're actually so lucky. You know, we are downtown and there's, there's mostly street parking, paid street mm-hmm. parking. But at our clinic, we have a gigantic free parking lot for our patients. And it is right. awesome. Yeah. And for those listening, like that's a huge advantage. And here in Las Vegas, we typically have, most buildings have a parking lot attached, right? But we have a customer, a client up in Baltimore, right? He's, it's a 14-story office building. His office is in the sixth. The parking is a nightmare. <laughs> like it's just a nightmare. And that first time that somebody goes there, they don't know that he will validate their parking. Yeah. Right. You have to tell them about the parking. Right. But how many offices don't and just go, oh, you know, everybody figures that everybody, everybody knows you will validate. They don't. And the other thing is like, 
so my office for a while was on the the second floor of a three-story building right and if you pulled up google it would pin our suite which was at the end of a building so it looked like you should park on that end but you couldn't get there you had to go in the other end of the building and go up the elevator to go across well i treat people who are in pain and it like hurts to walk and stuff And so it became an issue. Like if you don't know to park as close to that elevator and you are in serious pain, it's so annoying to park at the back, walk to the front, go in the elevator, walk back to the back. I want to tell those people because yes, I've been to my office 10,000 times, but what about the person who's pulling in for the first time? They're going to my office for the first time. What's it experience like? And it's not hard to send an email the day before with a picture like, park here, right? Or use this elevator or, you know, the best place is here. And that guy in Baltimore told me (laughs) he actually early in his first year of practice had some patients that came downstairs after a visit and their car had been towed. And (laughs) that's a tough one to ask for a Google review. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, while you're standing there for the tow truck, why don't you throw us a five-star review, you know? But I'm always like, how many things we do? How about if you have a busy office with, you've been to these offices like uh, my wife's OBGYN. There's 20, 20 providers probably. Yeah. And there's got to be twice that in staff. When you walk into that office, you said like orienting people, right? Who, where do you go? Who do you talk to? And they have this, God, this just drives me nuts. When you walk in, like they have one desk that's only for checkout. But yeah. when you walk in the door, guess what lines up perfectly with somebody walking in the door? <laughs> the and they checkout. Have a, yes. And they have an attitude about it. I'm like, dude, like there's no sign. It's like, oh, you, I mean, you need to check in. You, you need to go to so-and-so. In a medical building and just feeling lost. Like when even coming out of the treatment room of like a larger facility, right? Like why the medical assistant should tell you which way to go. Yeah. Like how many times I've been lost. I'm like, which way do I go? Where's the exit? Yeah. It's, it's simple. Yeah. Yeah. And you make a great point or or any place where they, you know, you're changing into a gown or out of a gown and they just like, they talk to you right before you're going to change back into your street clothes. And then they just, don't guide you or you pop out of that door going, where do I go? You know, and where do I put the gown? Like, you know, it's like telling you, Hey, throw the gown in that trash can in the corner, or we're going to bring it up to the front desk with you or whatever. But yes, I've had that experience. I had to get a follow up on a, a abdominal issue I had. And it's like, you guys, this is like, you're approaching this, like a, everybody knows and assume this is the worst day of my life. Just assume that as a patient this is the worst day of my yeah. life. And if it was, if it was your grandmother on her worst day, how would you want them to guide her to your parking lot? How would you want them to inform her about how to get from the parking lot to your office? How would you want them to treat her at check-in and check-out? And, you know, like so many times in medicine, we rely on the fact that, yes, we have a professional license and people pay us money to do a certain thing, but if you look at companies that don't have that, like, and yet have still like Disney is so good about, there's a name tag on every single person, right? Why? 
because they want to just orient you to the fact this is an employee. This person works here. You can ask them any questions. They can help you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, but it's in, you know, it's tough. Again, it's tough to do this, but it makes such a difference to patients. And, um, yeah, I, I love your insight here. And probably the biggest takeaway I have right now is that you're going to gain permission before you're going to take somebody from mental health to acupuncture, right? They're all in the same roof, but it's like, there is such a huge jump to get there. It's worth covering. Yeah. Gaining permission all the time and communicating what to expect and just orienting people, just orienting to, you know, we often, we will do this a lot of times, you know, someone goes in to see the doctor and the doctor has made a, a recommendation to, start acupuncture, uh, based on their symptoms. And so the acupuncture store is open. So, you know, the doctor walks the patient into the acupuncture room, introduces them. They do a quick consultation. Maybe they'll schedule for the next day or the next week, but they've, they've gotten to meet that provider and, and get oriented and decide for themselves if they'd like to then work with them. Yeah. That warm handoff is so powerful at the front desk at the, you know, that's another thing that drives me bonkers is like, uh, I go to this pulmonologist, somebody comes in, I don't know if it's a medical assistant or a nurse or the doctor. And then, uh, they go, okay. Uh, Kendall will be in, in just a minute. Is that Dr. Kendall? Yeah. Is that, that, yeah. Doctor is, are you saying Kendall is the last name or their first name? Is it, and then they come in and they're all in the same color scrubs. And I'm like, like, I feel rude and I'm a medical professional. Like I've trained, I'm confident. I can ask you questions and I still feel weird going, I'm sorry. Are you the nurse? Are you the doctor? You know? Yeah. And they're, you know, and that's us. We don't have those barriers, right? We're, we're, we're skilled. We know the the setup and yet we still have those questions as, as patients ourselves. So yeah. there's just so much potential and creating that experience. Gosh, man, that is the best place for your any money you're spending on marketing, make your patient experience smoother and more informed and oriented, like you're saying, 100%. and then, then do your Facebook ads after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. That's it for part two. Stay tuned next week for our third and final series of Josh and I's conversation. Happy creating. Thanks so much for listening to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please visit our website at wellnesscentercreators.com for more show notes and additional episodes. By the way, I love hearing from listeners. Please send me an email at Kendall, K-E-N-D-A-L-L at wellnesscentercreators.com with your feedback. And if you send me a question, maybe I'll read it on the show, anonymously, of course. Thanks so much again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Wellness Center Creators Podcast.